You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Excited tonight to have uh, Brother Diego Frietas. If you'd come tonight, uh, Brother Diego is one of our ush—I uh, was going to say ushers—one of our deacons. He probably is an usher too. He does everything else. Um, those of you who are in uh, our English service, you may not see uh, Mr. Diego very often. He's uh, in the Spanish ministry, serves there faithfully, and uh, does a wonderful job with our Spanish ministry. We're so glad to have him speak tonight. Buenas noches, un placer estar con. Oh wait. I am, I am pretty much accustomed to talking to folks, uh, even in large groups, but I realized when Pastor Miller asked me to speak to you all tonight that I haven't done it in English in almost two and a half years. So if in the middle of this I start speaking in tongues, just throw something at me and then I'll get redirected. For some of you, I think I know most of you at least casually, but for those of you that don't, um, I set off to be a physician became one through the grace of the United States Air Force after 20 years, spent the last year and a half at the bedside with COVID patients, 20 a day, seven days a week for a year and a half. It's been an interesting year. And I have come to serve at this church kicking and screaming by the grace of God. So it's been a crazy year, hasn't it? Year and a half. I mean, none of us even in the widest dream, would have potentially guessed or fathomed some of the things that we would see and the changes that would occur, but more importantly, the rapidity which they occurred and the effects that it had on all of us. We have had people we loved or knew lost. We've gone into financial trouble. We've lost our individual rights. We've gone into solitary confinement. The world has been turned Upside down. How many of you have felt no stress? So how do we deal with these things? And I get the feeling, because I read this book once, and it tells me things are going to get worse before they get better. So how do we deal with it? And changes are coming, and they're probably going to be targeted at our church. How many of you have been threatened by death if you go to church? You best all raise your hand. Why? Because last year they told us, if you go to church, you're going to die. What did they threaten us with? Death. What a crazy time to live in. The philosopher said, it is a privilege to live in interesting times. So we are greatly privileged. But how do we deal with this stuff? I don't know about you, but I can't control my emotions. And if you think you can, you're a liar. You can't control your emotions. But you can control your thoughts. And it's your thoughts that lead to your emotions. Satan wants to control our thoughts, but can't. God could control our thoughts, but he won't. So who's responsible for my thoughts? I am. Oh, it's so easy? No. If it was easy, we wouldn't be talking. It takes time. And it takes practice. But is it biblical? 2 Corinthians 
10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. What are those strongholds? What is he talking about there? The strongholds are the ways we think. Our thinking habits. Why do I say that? Because what did he say at the end of that passage? Bringing into subjection every thought to the subjection of Jesus Christ. He's telling us to learn how to think, to control our thoughts. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Words interchangeable. Be anxious for nothing. Uh Uh-oh, commandment. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Okay, commandment, formula on how to do it, and then comes the promise. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Prozac. Oh, no, wait. I read that wrong. Through Christ Jesus. And then subsequently to that, he tells you how to do that even further. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. What does he tell you to do? Think on these things. So how do I learn to control my thoughts? It takes practice. But it also takes us as a community of believers. One of the most amazing things I discovered during the year and a half of sitting at the bedside of COVID patients, of how vitally important it is for us as believers to congregate, to meet, to spend time together, if not in church because they shut us down in small groups in our homes. Why I need you to survive. Why we need each other. This was a year and a half study that I did in the Spanish ministry over two weeks. I'm going to compress it into 15, 20 minutes, as I'm often asked to do. So I'm going to whittle it down to three basic things to think about as we congregate. Number one, fear. Why should we congregate? Fear. We get to choose what we fear. I get to decide what's going to make me afraid. Now, a bus comes over, almost hits me, knocks me out, and I jump out of the way. I want to be afraid for a few seconds. But if I take it home with me and I continue to think about it and perseverate on it and go into the what-if game, am I going to sleep that night? Absolutely not. What's, got to do, uh, what's that got to do with congregating? Dunkirk. The year is 26 May, 4th, uh, from 26 May to the 4th of June, 1940. 330,000 British troops cornered by the German army. It gives you a situ- if you look on the map, it'll give you a situation of what it was like. There was the, um, the French coastline. England is across the channel, unreachable. And a vastly superior and more experienced and well-armed German army is closing in on these troops. They started dropping flyers on them saying, surrender. It's hopeless. You've got nowhere to go. Put down your arms. Germans were jamming radio signals. So only one piece of a message got across the English Channel 
from the soldiers to England. And the message has become world-renowned. And the message they sent was three words, but if not. But if not. After hearing the message, the Archbishop of Canterbury mobilized the entire English nation to get anything that floated across the channel and instigated a day of prayer for the troops. I think they made a movie about it recently, though they cut out the Christian parts. Go figure. Everything that could float went across there and pulled almost 330,000 men safe. 68,000 volunteered to stay behind as a diversion to keep the Germans at bay. Interestingly enough, history will tell us that on that day, for some reason, unknown to this day, the Germans decided to delay the attack. And a great fog fell over the English Channel, so bomber planes could not attack the boats. What a coincidence. Why was a nation so moved? Because back then, people knew Bible. Back then, people went to church. Back then, people knew about Daniel chapter 3. And in Daniel chapter 3, we know the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. If you don't bow to the statue, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 17, it says, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What did these men say? We choose who to fear. And we will not fear you, O king. We will fear our God. And in that statement, what they said is, we realize that God doesn't owe us a thing. The most amazing thing I discovered in studying the COVID virus, and this has been proven without a shadow of a doubt, so I don't care what the news says, I'm giving you medical fact. We discovered during the pandemic that 100% of the people that are born will die. So choose what you will fear. The Bible tells me that God has appointed a day for me. Now, I'm not going to tempt my God by jumping in front of a truck or being foolish and taking foolish chances. That's against the law. That's why Christ didn't jump from the precipice. And he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But I can choose to not live in fear because I know that my life and my soul is in the hand of my Savior. Choose who you will fear. The soldiers, when they called out, as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had said, yes, these guys can kill us, but if not, we will trust in our Lord. We have to be the best citizens a country has ever seen. God in Romans chapter 13 verses 1 and 2 tells us to obey the government under which he puts us. So we have to obey until they cross the line. And we have to be careful how we interpret that. As a physician, I never have and I never will do abortions. What if they take away my license and throw me in jail if I don't do abortions? I still won't do them. 
Why? Because they cross that line that God has set that I will not cross. Things can get a little more blurry, but when they started telling us, don't you go to church? I had to ask myself, okay, I sort of get it, but why are the liquor stores and marijuana shops still open? Choose today who you will fear. In our times when every time we turn on the television, they're telling us to live in fear. And I'm going to paraphrase Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will fear. As for me and my house, we shall fear the Lord. And the battle is right here. This is where it's at. Thou will not surely die. Didn't God say this is old news? It's worked on us since the beginning. The battle begins here, and it takes practice. God in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse, starting in verse 22, and let's go there because it's worth looking at. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? Christ is coming back, people. Hopefully right now. But God tells us to do five things here. He says to draw near to God with an assurance of faith. God tells us to increase our faith, but the power of my faith is not in my faith. It's where, I, it's where I chose to put it. Would you rather have a lot of faith as you cross a frozen lake? Would you rather have a lot of faith in one inch of ice or a little faith on 10 feet of ice? I'll take the little faith, okay? Our faith and our strength is not so much in the faith that we have, keep the faith. It's where we put it and we place it on Christ. And he says, draw near to God through him in the assurance of that faith. Think on these things. Hold unswervingly to hope in verse 33. Consider one another. You're not alone. You never had to be. You never will be. You've got somebody by your side. We're going to talk about that a little more if time allows. Don't give up meeting together, verse 25, and encourage one another. It's vital for us to get together. Why? We need each other to help each other think straight. What's the definition of insanity? Yes, that's a good one. Medically speaking, it's a, discon it's a disconnection from reality. Okay? So insanity is a disconnection from reality. What is reality? Truth, right? Truth is God sees it. So any disconnection from God leads you to a lie, which is insanity. And how do you get there? You begin to think wrong thoughts. You begin to ponder on the wrong things. You begin to forget who you are in Christ. You're already an eternal being. You're already set. So... I come to church, I gather with you guys to help me not fear and to fear right. But number two, and 
you're singing the song, and the pastor was making the statements, and I'm going, he looked at my note. So something's up here. The second reason is, I have never seen people so hopeless in the United States before. We have a guest speaker this Saturday and Sunday in the Spanish side. We asked him to come because he's an expert, if there can be such a thing, on teen suicides. Colorado has now become a rather dubious honor, the number one state for teen suicides, and the majority of those suicides are Hispanic teens. Marco and I personally knew an 18-year-old boy that when he found out he tested positive for COVID, he took his own life. Because he chose to watch and believe. What's got to, that got to do with congregating? It's our testimony. Are we living in hope that's evident? Are we shining that light that's not to be hid? Or are we cowering behind our cell phones, looking at Facebook and wondering what's going to happen next? Can the people around us look and say, I want what you have. Tell me about it. That's how I got saved. That's how I got saved. First Battle of Bull Run, July 21st, 1861. Can you guys tell I like military history? July 21st, 1861, the Confederate lines began to crumble under a Union attack. A general, four, strike, or four stars, rides up to a gentleman named Jackson. Thomas Jonathan Jackson was a Confederate general that today is studied in most military academies. I studied him when I went to the Air Force Academy as one of the top tactical commanders in U.S. history. He was also revered at the time by many black Americans, both free and slave, because he had a habit of starting Sunday schools to teach them and preach them the gospel. He was called by his, the people that he saved, either students, father, or brother. He was called a black man's friend. And General Jackson, this other general, comes up to him and says, they're breaking us back, we have to run. General Jackson answered, then I will give them the bayonet. His men saw him and said, look, there's Jackson standing like a stone wall. And they rallied and won the day. What can one man with hope do to those around him? What can one person that is really living the hope of Christ and showing it do to that world out there that is falling ever deeper into darkness? And you can see it. When was the last time you saw a young person in the United States today walking like this? How do they walk? There's only one thing down there, and you don't want to go there. Let's give them hope. In Matthew 5, God tells us, be a light, shine that light. And don't worry, the battle is mine. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, and I'm going to turn there so I don't mess it up for you. 
Because as we see the bad news and people ask us, what is this hope you have? I answer Romans 8, starting in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature. Paul is going out of his mind to try to include everything in the created universe. To say that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does my neighbor see that in me? And he can't see it if I don't choose to believe it here. The battle is here. And then lastly, I need you, and you need me, to avoid temptation. Why? And I don't mean just the temptation of falling into sin. I mean, the temptation of getting in the habit of having bad thoughts. Hey, did you hear what the news said? Did you hear the latest? COVID causes Alzheimer's? Did you guys hear that? I saw it on the news, and I went, okay. What, did they use a time machine and go forward 10 years? How did they figure that out? Wait a minute. You need a third vaccine. Because now we have the C1.01 variant. It's no longer the Delta one. Why? People got tired of the Delta one. Hope you guys realize that we have 15 variants already existing in the world today and have existed for hundreds of years. But if not, anyway, sorry, I got, you can talk, talk to me about the vaccine later. Did I get vaccinated? Yes. So anybody wants to ask questions? Temptation. How do we help each other avoid the temptation? Let's go back to Genesis. And I'm going to look at kind of an odd passage concerning temptation. Genesis chapter 2, and ladies, don't throw anything at me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. Wait, isn't that talking about marriage? It sure is. What's the strongest evidence of a good community in this world if it's not for a good marriage? God made us social creatures. We cannot live alone. One of the toughest things I've had to do this year is see these little old people isolated worse than prisoners of war. For two years in solitary confinement, because they're completely asymptomatic but have a positive test, give me a break. We were made social creatures. We need each other. Why? 1 Peter 5.8. Who knows it by heart? For your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking who him devour. How many folks like to watch nature shows? I love nature shows. Why? There's no nastiness in there, you know? All the sins of the world aren't portrayed in front of me. It's just nature. So I like it. But have you watched the lions? What do they do? They try to break up the herd. They try to isolate that one that's weak or sick or decided to stray from the herd. And that's the one they get. 
you think maybe Peter and the Holy Spirit was thinking about that when they chose a lion as a way to describe the devil? Because when we're like this, we're harder to hit. But when I'm alone at home, <gasps> I better call somebody else. Paul takes, tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Paul was chained to Roman soldiers. Do you think that as he was saying these things, he was thinking about a Roman soldier? And he says, use the shield of faith, that big targ that the Roman soldiers had, you know, that covered their whole body. You know when that thing was the strongest? When two other soldiers were standing next to him. And they interlocked their shields. So I need you and your faith. And you need me and my faith. And when we lock shields together, the fiery darts of the devil have a harder time getting in. But I have to decide to show up. I have to decide to be with you. I have to decide to show my faith. Being physically around our brethren is important. There are 100 uses in 94 verses in the New Testament of one another's. How can we do that if we're not together? How many one another's are there? Let me just give you a few examples. Be at peace with one another. Be of the same mind. Be patient with one another. Be kind. Forgive one another. Seek good. Don't repay evil for evil. Confess sin. Love one another. Serve one another. Greet one another with a loving kiss. Wash your feet. Humble yourself. Subject yourself one to another. Make others more important than yourself. Don't judge one another. Speak truth. Comfort yourselves about the resurrection. Pray. Be hospitable. Do you think we could do this if we weren't together? How am I going to one another you if I'm at home watching you on a video? Could the virus or something else kill me here? Yeah, it could. But if not, I still choose to serve the Lord. My time is in his hands. I finished with this thought. And remember... I apologize, but this is a year and a half study, crammed down to a couple of weeks, now down to past my time, 40 minutes. Soviet Union, during the Cold War, Christianity was outlawed. What's this got to do with what's been happening in our world today? They would send troops, little squads of soldiers, hunting through the streets, and what they were looking for was Christians. Little Christian group, 15, 20 people, hiding in a basement to congregate. And they would come in ones or twos, sometimes hours apart, because if any one group all went to one place at the same time, it was a sure sign something was going on. So it would take them hours to congregate, but they finally got everybody together. And as they began to sing a hymn in what they thought was a soundproof basement, suddenly the door flies open and these soldiers walk in. A sergeant with his privates, all armed, pointing guns. We got you. We got you. Anybody here not a Christian, you better leave now. About half the congregation left. Sergeant says, private, lock that door. Who's the pastor? Man raises his hand, comes forward, says, I am. 
says, thank you, pastor. They put down their guns, sat down. He says, only the real Christians are left here now. You can begin preaching. Choose today who you will serve. 